0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. All right, guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your Bibles. We're going to turn to John chapter 21. And we're going to focus on the reality of Easter this morning and focus on what is probably one of the greatest stories about Jesus that I think has lots of implications for you and I. In fact, that's what I hope. I hope that it has a tremendous impact on you and I today as we realize that he's alive. As you think about your life and that you and I would understand that he is working in our lives. So what do you mean, George? Well, I want to talk first of all about the silent struggle. You and I, whether we want to admit it or not, because it's church, I hate to say it, church is kind of the place you come and it's kind of the place where you kind of act like everything's okay. Really, think about it. Some of you maybe had a really terrible week this week. You got some news you didn't like. You got some news you really hated. You had some things happen that you wish hadn't happened. You are devastated, some of you. But yet when you come into church because it's Easter, because there's family and there's friends, you got a smile on. Yet, but on the inside, you're a mess. You're struggling. We're here to celebrate that Jesus is risen. But on the inside, you're wondering, is he really alive? Am I seeing him in my life? What's going on? You affirm the truths. You say with everyone else, he has risen indeed. But in your heart, you're just kind of like, really? Because things aren't going well. And that's the normal experience. That happens to me. That happens to everyone else. It's normal. And we act like that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's how Christianity is. Some of us, though, get to the place where we decide, okay, I, I'm done. And so they walk away. What's the use? What's the struggle? It's just a set of beliefs. So we have this silent struggle. I just kind of want to point two things out to you. Number one, for the most part, we grasp the truths about Easter. Because if I were to forget that I shared with you the the reality of Easter in my little presentation before I prayed, forget what we just sang about, about him being buried, the stone being rolled away, Forget all that for a moment. If, if, if for, for the most part, everybody knows what happened on Easter. We, we affirm that. He died. He was crucified. He was buried. On the third day, he arose. We heard the stories from children on up. We can affirm those truths. But here's the next thing I want you to see. Yet, we have not embraced the truths in our everyday lives. We know them, but we haven't embraced them. What do you mean we haven't embraced them, George? George? I've been a believer all my life. I don't know how to answer those questions. Yeah, I, I understand that. I'm not talking about the depth of your theological knowledge. And some have a lot, and some don't have just enough what they need. But it's one thing to know, but it's another thing to really know because you embrace it. And by really knowing it, it affects your life. Now, how do I know that we're not there? Because what I find is is that I interact with most folks who call themselves believers, they're defeated. They wonder, does God love them? They wonder, does God care? They think that they're less than because they've messed up. They have regrets. They have shame. We understand that, right? They feel guilty. They feel like, you know what? What's the use? I'm a second-class citizen with God. We know the truths, but we haven't embraced them. And so today, we're going to look at a story. We've looked at it before. We'll look at it again later. But we're going to look at a story about a guy who, if if there's one guy that really exhibits us, it's Peter. Well, I'm not like Peter George. You know, Peter, he kind of just shoots his mouth off, and he does whatever, I'm quiet. No, no, no. We're like Peter. What do you mean? Remember Peter? Peter's the guy who follows Jesus. Peter's the guy when Jesus says, I'm going to be betrayed. I'll never betray you, Jesus. I'll die for you. Jesus says to him, Really, Peter? Will you do that? Before this night's over, you're going to deny me three times. What a blow to his ego, right? And then when they're in the garden and And they're out to get Jesus. He whips out a knife and cuts off some dude's ear. He's ready to prove himself. I love you, Jesus. But guess what? Before the night's over, what does he do? I don't know him. Not just one time. Three different times. Rooster crows. And he goes away weeping. The Gospels record very clearly that on the night in which the women came back and told them that the Lord, the tomb was empty, Peter and John run to the tomb. Peter gets there. What does he do? He runs right into the tomb. Why? Because he loves Jesus, but yet he's also ashamed. We can relate to that. We know the truths about Easter, but we haven't embraced them. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, is embracing them and helping you to understand one big thing that Easter brings out reconciliation now does everybody understand what reconciliation is I think we understand I mean from kids we knew like when when there was a, a fight or something the teacher would try to get both people to make up with each other you know and reconcile shake each other's hands okay you know you're shaking their hands like that's supposed to settle everything we understand reconciliation right well yes and no Again, it's the truth we grasp, especially reconciliation to God. But do we really grasp it? So I want you to look with me. We're going to look at the first 19 verses. We're going to look and see what John the Apostle writes about the risen Jesus. Here's what he writes. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself again. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. And they went out and immediately got in a boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, "'Children, have you any food?' And they answered him, "'No!' And he said to them, "'Cast the net on the right side of the boat, "'and you'll find some.' So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, "'It is the Lord!' And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. And the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw the fire of coals there, and the fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of the large fish, 153, although there were so many the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked wherever you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And then when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. All right, now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to talk, first of all, about the burden of defeat. And I'm hoping that you and I can relate to Peter. I know I can. If you think about where we're at, even though we know Jesus, and most of us here, I would assume most of us here, have come to a place where we have given our lives to Christ, where we have put our faith and trust in him, the reality is, is that putting our faith and trust in Jesus doesn't mean that everything's going to go okay, and that you're going to always make the right decisions and always do the right things. Everybody recognize that? We mess up. And with that comes shame, with that comes regret, with that comes defeat. So we're going to talk about the burden of the defeat, and then we're going to focus on the Lord's initiative. This is what blows my mind. This is what is so wonderful about Jesus. He just doesn't leave Peter hanging. He takes the initiative. So let's look at this together. First of all, the burden of the defeat. First of all, I want you to notice with me verse 3. It's very interesting. Peter, this is the only time after his calling. If you remember his calling, it's recorded in Luke. He's a fisherman. Jesus comes. He gives up his nets and follows Jesus. You don't really see anything of him fishing again until after Jesus is resurrected. And it's in this incident. He's sitting around, and guess what he says? I'm going fishing. Now, that's a natural thing for him to do because he was a fisherman. He's going fishing. It's kind of like he's going to go back to his old way of life now. Why Why would he do that? Well, here's the point I want you to see. Defeat drives us to give up our calling and dreams. For Peter, the calling, it was in Luke chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. And so it was that when James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partnered with Simon and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Jesus gave him a calling. You're going to be my guy. And they left everything. But here we are in chapter 21. After Jesus is written, something gets into Peter. And he's like, I'm going fishing. Can I tell you why? He's carrying a burden. He's ashamed. And the reality of the defeat, what? What? Denying Jesus three times is so heavy for him, he just feels like, well, there goes my calling. There goes the dreams that I had, of what God could do with me. You know, I find that so often as I interact with people. I find people that Jesus loves, that Jesus gave his life for, but then, you know what, they they tell me these stories about how they came to Christ, and they're all different, but they're all wonderful. But then something has happened along the way. Some sort of defeat took place. Some sort of event happened where they messed up, and it's always they messed up. They didn't think it was going to happen. They thought they were strong. They thought they could do it. They thought they could handle it. But in the right moment, at the right situation, they made the wrong decision, and things just blew up from there. And they carry the regrets now. And maybe they know the truth, Jesus forgives, but they know the truth, they haven't grasped the truth. Do you you understand what I'm saying? There's a difference between knowing that Jesus forgives you and really knowing that Jesus forgives you. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Because they're always second-guessing themselves. We do that. How do you know we do that? Think about every problem that ever happens in your life And the first response out of your mouth is, God, are you punishing me? Are you getting back at me because of this? We act that way because we're defeated. We carry that burden. So the defeat drives us to to give up our calling and our dreams. But here's the thing. Even though we're defeated like that, look with me at verse 7. This is what's amazing to me. Look at verse 7. It says this. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John. He's he's so impressed that Jesus loves him, he can't even identify himself. He I'm the guy Jesus loves. Said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now look at how Peter responds. And when Peter, Simon Peter, heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment. Now what does that mean? He stripped down to his skivvies to do the work. I mean, it's a hot climate. They're out in the lake. So he hears the Lord, what does he do? He puts on his outer garment, and then what does he do? He jumps in. He's not waiting for the boat to get there. He's swimming to the shore. He, he so wants to be with Jesus. See, even though he's defeated, what's going on with him? He loves Jesus. He wants Jesus. Now, here's the second point I want you to see. There is still a longing within us that reflects our love for Jesus. You know what I'm talking about. I hope you do. I hope, I hope the reality is, is that even though you are defeated by whatever the boat, thing was or the stuff that happened or or continued to happen because you know jesus there's just something in you that is just longing to know his love you 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 still love him and you still want something and so when you hear jesus you can't help yourself you're you're not gonna wait for the boat to paddle in you're gonna swim in because there's this longing within you for something more i find that is true for a lot of christians we so want our faith to be so much more real than just something we agree with that's on paper. And that's especially true if you were struggling with a bad decision, a sin, and a defeat. But here's the problem. Even though we long, we still are defeated. We still think, yes, I love you that way, but I know you've changed towards me, God. We, we convince ourselves of that, don't we? We convince ourselves, which brings us to verse 11. Look at what happens. Verse 11, Jesus, of course, said, uh, bring some of the fish. Verse 10, here's what happens. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of the large fish. 153, although there were so many, the net was not broken. So what is it? There's a willingness to still do what Jesus asks. Yeah, you're defeated. Yes, you are Giving up on your dreams and your calling because you messed up. You still want to love him. And if Jesus asks you to do something, you'll still do it, but you're not doing it like you once did it before because now you're like, yeah, but I'm, you know what? I'll do it for you, Lord. But I know you're not happy with me because my pink elephant in the room is my shame, my regret, my guilt. And you see it, Lord. I definitely see it. We can relate to Peter, can't we? I know I can, because that's where we are. We can relate to him because it's with us every day. We're reminded of it every day, whether we want to be or not. We try to ignore it. We can't. Somebody always brings it up. Something happens, some situation. It's like, boom, it's right there. And we live defeated lives. But this is where the passage gets so beautiful. I think Jesus showed up there by the Sea of Galilee for one purpose, not just to speak to those disciples who were all there, but I really believe that Jesus showed up there for one person, one person only, Peter. And this is what I want you to grasp today. We are here to proclaim the risen, resurrected Jesus, but it's not just a set of beliefs. It is the reality of a person who is alive, who we are going to see interacts in your life in some way. And we're going to see three things here about the initiative of God. So here's the first one. I want you to notice with me. Look at verses 15 through 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Okay, so first thing that comes out of his mouth Do you love me more than these? Now, who's he talking about? The rest of the disciples who were there. Remember Jesus in the upper room? Everybody else will forsake you, but I won't, Jesus. I'll die for you. Jesus starts out the conversation. Hey, do you love me more than the rest of these guys? Simon's not cluing in yet, so he's like, yeah, Lord, you know. Feed my sheep. Look with me, verse 16. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He didn't even say... More than these, he said, do you love me? And Peter, of course, says, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. Then Jesus, it's a third time. Now, it, nothing's, it's, it's not just by chance, it's three times, is it? Peter realizes it's not by chance. Here's what he says. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it a third time. And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Here's the reality. Jesus takes the first step towards the defeated. Jesus takes the first step. Here's this guy, Peter, who has been exhibiting his love for Christ from all things, even from the night in which he would betray him. How do I know that? Because when he heard that rooster crow, he went away and he wept. Why? Because he was grieved to his heart because he failed he failed Jesus and then he he's there at those great moments in the resurrection Jesus is showing up he's expressing man even though in spite of the feet I'll do anything you ask me Jesus yeah but I'm, I know I'm, I'm not perfect and I don't know you know I'll do, just make me a less than guy and, and and he loves him but here's Jesus he's it's not Peter who comes to him and says hey I messed up Did you notice that? It's not Peter who says to him, I'm the one who messed up, please forgive me. Did you notice that? It's not in the passage. It's Jesus who comes to him, who makes him a meal, sits down with him with the other guys there. And I think it's important that the other guys be there because Peter's sin was public, right? So the guys who were with him when he made that big boast, I'll die for you, Jesus. They're with him now. And he says to him three times, do you love me? And Peter knows what's going on. And he's like, yeah, you you know all things Jesus. He took the initiative. Here's what I want you to understand, okay? So here we are. We've got our stuff. Please recognize with me that there is no one perfect in Christianity but one Jesus. Please understand that. Nobody has a moral platform on which to stand to pass judgment on anyone. We're all sinners, And he is the one who takes the initiative to come to us. He is the one who reaches out to us. He is the one who is reaching out to Peter. Right where he is, which brings me to my second point. Jesus meets the defeated in their defeat. Jesus hits it right head on. Jesus isn't, oh, you know what? Just forget about that, Peter. No, no. He's doing what? Giving him the opportunity to three times say, I love you. Because the other three times, he denied him. He meets him in the defeat. Now, here's here's what I want you to understand. Our natural thinking is this, because this is the way we operate. This is the way we operate with humans. As humans, somebody messes up, that drives people away especially the person that we've done wrong to, that drives them away. In God's economy, it's a little bit different. He's not driven away by your stuff. He actually comes to you in your stuff. Why? Because he knows you can't do it. You can't overcome it. He understands you better than humans understand themselves. So he reaches out to you in your pain. He reaches out to you in your sin. He comes to you there, to the heart of whatever it is. He comes to you and he says to you, Do you love me? I'm here. Do you love me? He comes to the defeated in their defeat. The the thing that we're so ashamed of, he meets us right there in that. Do do you understand? Isn't that something? That's why it's more than just some belief. He reaches us right in the midst of that thing that repulses us. I can't believe that I did that. Jesus meets us right there. In fact, here's the third thing I want you to see. Jesus says, do you love me a third time? Peter says, Lord, you know all things. And so here's what Jesus says. Look with me, verse 18 and 19. It's kind of odd, but it has meaning for Peter. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, you're going to die the same way. But follow me. What's he doing here? Jesus reaffirms the calling in the dreams. This is what's so awesome. So many of us think in our lives that, man, I messed up, there's no way possible. There's no way possible. You know what, I've I've disqualified myself. There's no way I could serve you, God. There's no way I could live with you. I'm just just gonna show up and and learn about you, but there's just no way, because it'll never be the same because of the problem. And here's what Jesus does. He comes and meets you in the problem. He reaffirms, no, follow me. In fact, you're going to die for me. He reaffirms that. Are you sure, George? Yeah, Psalm 37. Man, my favorite psalm, Psalm 37, verse 23, 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in them. Stop for a moment, just rest in that. The steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord and he delights in them. God loves you and takes delight in your life. Next verse says this, though he yet stumble, he'll not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. The word stumble there, especially in the Old Testament, has the connotation of falling into sin. But he doesn't let you wipe out. He comes to you in grace and what? Lifts you up. That's the risen Jesus. That's Easter. Easter. It's not a bunch of doctrine, although doctrine is important because it tells us the story. But it tells us the story of the reality that you and I should be experiencing every day. That when he saved us, he set before us a life to live for him. And yes, we do mess up, but that doesn't change his plan. I like to say God's plan includes my screw-ups. So embrace it. Know that he is alive, not because we say so, but because you experience it day by day in your own lives. Because he forgives, and he makes new, and he's with you. Hi folks, this is George. I want to thank you for listening this morning. And I want to tell you about a free app that you can get for your mobile device that will allow you to access all the materials and information you need about our church in one device. Simply go to your app store on your Android or Apple device and search for Kerwinsville Christian Church. The app is free, and what you'll find there is everything you need to know, plus all the teaching from our church, as well as this program. And we hope that you will utilize that in your search for Christ. Until next week, folks, take care and may the Lord bless you.